A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other uh, and colleagues in education is it's essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. You're about to listen to the 19th episode of Screen Talk. For next week's 20th episode, we'll be taking questions. You can send those to us on Twitter at Eric Cohn or at AK Stanwick, or just email them to me. I'm E-R-I-C at IndieWire.com. Welcome, everybody, to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the chief film critic and senior editor, joined, as always, by Ann Thompson, Thompson in Hollywood. How's it going out there, Ann? All good. It's it's getting, you know, wild and hairy, but that's par for the course at this time of year. Well, you know, one of the things that's interesting about this week is that uh, usually uh, the kind of award season chatter that we engage with finds us talking about it in sort of speculative terms. I mean, we're, we're inside the industry to some degree, but we're not, you know, Academy voters, but let's, let's put it in in, uh, this week's terms, which is that the Gotham nominations came out. And I find this to be an interesting conversation to be had because I was on a nominating committee for two of the sections. Um, but at the same time, I see sort of the way that it's reported, you know, and it, I feel like I'm sort of, I, I could see it from the outside and the inside at the same time. And it's, I know this is not an Oscar season conversation per se, but these awards do allow us to start talking about award season in different sort, sorts of ways. And it was, I have to say, really illuminating for me to think about, you know, what films are worth singling out for the Gothams as opposed to the Oscars. Well, it's a different group and it's more indie. And I would say that it has more influence on the Indie Spirit Awards, really. But it was interesting to see, it was interesting to see that on the indie side, the, um, you know, the Birdman Boyhood, um, Grand Budapest Hotel, these are solid and um, not so solid as Foxcatcher, which Bennett Miller was going to get a tribute anyway, but you gave you went you went out of your way. The jury did to give the three actors, the stars of the film, Steve Carell and and Mark Ruffalo and Channing Tatum, a special award, which must have been the result of the fact that you did not give it a, a feature nomination. Well, let me clarify. I wasn't on the performance committee, so that that's a separate committee. I was only on best film and, and breakthrough director. But one thing that I would say to that is, you know, Foxcatcher I, I, is a movie I like quite a bit. I mean, I'm on the record having written about it. But, I, but to me, this is such a, a rich, diverse year of movies. What I really like about the best feature nominees for the Gothams, which, you know, the, the five of them are Birdman, Boyhood, Grand Budapest Hotel, Love is Strange, and Under the Skin. So what, what I really like about that bunch is that there's a variety to that. It just feels like a very well-rounded balance of some of my favorite movies this year. You know, Foxcatcher is 
another movie that I really liked this year. There are a lot of movies that I really liked. No, no, it's it's just so. indicative. I mean, basically, what I'm, what, I guess, what I'm trying to say is that the, these awards really don't give you. They have no impact, really. Um, but they do is they build a little bit of momentum for the ones that are sort of heading in the right direction. Like someone like Julianne Moore gets a little boost for for Still Alice and and you know Boyhood and so forth. But uh, which got both Ethan Hawke and um, Patricia Arquette. But because you don't have support. Uh, categories for the Gothams. Those two people are going to be running for supporting in the in the real uh, world. But um, it's 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 interesting. I, I love Under the Skin, and and I, I hope that gives it a boost with the indie spirits, for example. Um, and it's interesting to see that Life itself and Citizen Four continue to be the front runners in the, in the doc race. But it's also um, amazing that the the documentary category includes Robert Greene's Actress, which is a, a documentary I like quite a bit. That opens in two weeks. It's a really beautiful story of this this woman who was on The Wire and then had children and tries to get back into acting. And Monica Mana, which is a purely experimental film, and it's one of my favorite kind of film-going experiences of the year, but certainly not something you're going to see talked about in the Oscar race in any particular way, because I just can't imagine, you know, Academy voters sitting through 100 minutes of, of people in a, in a car, you know, driving back and forth. Well, remember, the, uh, remember that it's the documentary branch that nominates the five, you know, the final, the short list, and then the final five. So they will all see it, and they are all very avant-garde and intelligent and and sophisticated. So that could be in that list. When you remember that it's only when it's the final nominations that the entire Academy, which is a very different group, a very widely, broadly changing, not all sophisticated, not all uh, filmmakers, um, you know that group is a different group than the than the smaller indie group. Well, fair I mean, enough. And the I'll, independent. I'll... I mean, many of the docs or the doc filmmakers who are members and voters are indies. Well, fair enough, and I'll hold out hope for that. I guess what I'm I'm getting at is, in a larger sense, having gone through this process a few times, it's always interesting to see how people immediately react by saying, you know, these things aren't predictors of, of, you know, the Oscar race. They don't have necessarily a bearing of that. It's really just the spirits and so on and so forth. And yet, because it's the first sort of announcement of nominees of these kinds of films during award season, it gets covered in that same context. And I think it's telling. And a lot of people don't know, though. I mean, they don't realize what what they it's it's like this. The, what is this vague sort of addition of buzz? You know, it, it, it's great if you get a little extra push, but it doesn't really hurt you if you don't. But I think see, see other, what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. But I, but I also think that there is something valuable in the contrast between how the Gothams are selected and and the sort of outcome that you see in the nominees. I mean, overall, I think there are a lot of great movies on this list. And and the way that Oscar season unfolds, I mean, some of the films that you don't see on this list in any of the categories are, are in fact being considered serious contenders in the Oscar. Like race. Wild, for example, Wild that would be one. Or Imitation Game, things along those lines. You know, and but I, they weren't eligible. Remember, this is there were some pretty strict rules about what was what was American. And that's exactly you know the point that I'm trying to get to, which is that you know that there's something about sort of the, not only just the scope of the Oscar race, but the resources involved in getting certain films to the top of the pile that you don't see as much here. 
Oh, that's so, true. Yeah, you know, the fact good. that Love is Strange is nominated for Best Film or, or Under the Skin, you know, I mean, th- seeing those movies alongside Boyhood, which I love, but, you know, obviously we're, we've been talking about that as this major Oscar contender alongside Birdman as well. You know, that to me is much more satisfying as a whole and something that, you know, it's. I wish there was a way to, to kind of open up the Oscar race in this similar fashion to see this kind of representation because it almost feels like, you know, outside of the indie spirits, we're not going to get another chance during award season to really talk about these movies in the same way. The other one that I was happy to see was Mia Wasikowska for tracks because, I, you know, I just have this sense that the Weinstein company isn't giving it the real push that you that they're going to give to Imitation Game. And so this helps her to establish uh, right. a, a foothold yeah, you've uh, been that's actually very that important. You've been championing that one for a number of weeks. So this somebody be... told me that, I mean, I don't know if this is true. I haven't verified it, so I probably shouldn't repeat it. But somebody said with great seriousness that the Weinstein Company spent like $35,000 opening tracks. Now, it's probably not true, but, but um, you know, uh, it's, an indica- it's an indicator of how little they may, they may actually have spent on the film. It definitely does. I mean, I, I had actually assumed when that movie opened that it had come and gone months ago, just sort of because I had seen it at a film festival and nobody was really re- giving me a reason to remember it. So it's it's interesting to, to see it surface briefly here. Um, and that, that category as a whole, it's kind of interesting. I mean, Gugu Mbatha-Raw from Beyond the Lights being a nominee alongside Julianne Moore and Mia Wasikowska. Well-deserved. I am a big fan of Beyond the Lights. I think she's fabulous in it. She was cast. Um, the filmmaker, Gina Bythewood, Prince Bythewood, absolutely fought for her and, you know, turned away a studio deal in order to, to make it with her. And uh, I just um, interviewed her, and I'm looking forward to putting that, that transcript up because it's... Um, uh, th- that's a movie I highly recommend. I actually haven't seen it, so that was a tur- a, at the Toronto Film Toronto. Festival, and it's yeah. it, it's getting also a, a small at, at Urban World. It it was it was a big hit at Urban World, which makes sense too. And, it, and it'll get a, a sort of limited qualifying run soon, right? Yeah, it's opening very shortly. Actually, Relativity is opening it. So the other interesting category is the Breakthrough Actor Award, um, which I think some people thought, you know, Gugu should have been in that one as opposed to alongside these heavyweights. Well, she was already in Bell, you know. Right. So maybe there was some conversation about that. But uh, the people who are in it, I think it's a really interesting bunch. I mean, it it makes sense to have Jenny Slayton there. It makes sense to have Eller Coltrane in there. I mean, come on, that's just an unbelievable breakthrough. You know, but I, it's, I'm also happy to see Macon Blair from Blue Ruin, which was a really fun, tight little genre movie. And, you know, I, nobody really knew who this actor was before it came along, but it's a very distinctive, almost dialogue-free performance. And um, Riz Ahmed in, in Nightcrawler, you know, is really He's very good. In fact, he's going to be around. He's a Brit, and you would never know it. It's such a good performance. I didn't even think of him as an actor in that movie because he's so well sort of threaded into the atmosphere of it. Um, and then it was sort of after the fact, I realized, I mean, it's just Nightcrawler is a movie that really creeps up on you and gets under your skin in a lot of different ways. So I'm excited to see how that plays uh, when it opens in a couple of weeks. Though, you know, whether or not that's an award season player outside of this context, I think is, uh, you know, also sort of uh, hard to figure out. 
Well, the uh, the only one in that group that that might have an you know might well I suppose Blue Ruin could and Nightcrawler could be factors at the Indie Spirits, but I do think Jenny Slate is the big standout uh, for Obvious Child, and I would I would be I would be very surprised if she doesn't get nominated for the Indie Spirits and Best Actress. What about Tessa Thompson in Dear White People? That's another sort of significant uh, role. In that movie's discovery. doing very well, very, very well. In fact, that brings up um, a segue that I uh, want to make, which is that roadside attractions, I mean, I've always been a fan of Howard Cohen and, and Eric Dobrolov. I respect them. I think they're smart. I think they have good taste. It's just so hard in this uh, indie market that we're in right now and you can see harvey weinstein and bob weinstein are trying to figure it out and they're leaning on tom quinn at radius to figure out new alternative ways of distribution and marketing and they're really trying to learn it well meanwhile roadsides ahead of them on some level figuring this stuff out and they did such a good job with skeleton twins which is did better than you'd expect and they did a lot of good innovative work to get that movie dear white people open and it's doing really well and their instinct that that movie would pop that it would have a, a resonance that it would it would maybe play younger turned out to be correct yeah and they've just really scored with that no I'm, I'm so glad to see that too because you know dear white people won IndieWire's project of the year so to be Quite frank, I kind of got sick of hearing the title after a while, even before it came to Sundance. You know, it was just one of those things where it's like, you know, this is a movie that people would be kind of curious about. It would probably be at Sundance, even if it didn't really work. And, you know, with racial satire, it walks such a difficult line that if the jokes don't work, the whole movie's just going to sink. And what was so surprising and energizing about it is that the jokes do work. That It just it flows really well, and it's this huge ensemble comedy, which is really impressive for a first time director so agreed agreed and i think it's gonna have i think it's gonna have legs too and and launch uh you know as you say a couple of these actors and um i think i mean i i don't i don't know how to say this delicately but what happens i think a lot of the time is that there are a lot of talented african-american actors just so many of them and the horrible truth is that the white community doesn't recognize them and doesn't make distinctions and doesn't name them in the right way. And so I think it's it's so important for these movies to pop and get audiences and establish stars and establish names so that they can go on and have decent careers. It's an important thing. Well, it's, you know, and spe- speaking of, of people who went on and had decent careers, Roadside also released A Most Wanted Man over the summer, and that comes out on DVD. I believe in just about a week. So great you know. movie. They did a great job with that, also. And if and, and if in another world, um, if it weren't so competitive, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman deserves a, a shot at, at the uh, best actor. So moving beyond some of the known quantities, we're about to get another big uh, release to to kind of spruce things up a little bit. We're, we're just on the verge of being able to see Interstellar. Um, as I'm speaking right now, I believe I'll be seeing it in about 90 minutes or so. Um, the reviews are going to drop on Monday, so we'll have plenty to discuss in about a week's time. But there's now, a news, there's, the first screening is tonight here in, in L.A. at 6.30. And yet the buzz is already out there. There have been tweets. They've from, had some other screenings. So, yeah, yeah there, there's some... There's some uh, film. There was an early. I think it was on Sunday. They did an, uh, an opinion maker screening in New York, and some tweets have leaked out um, from from you know, the press isn't allowed to tweet until the 27th. Right. But the uh, 
people like uh, Brad Bird and Edgar Wright and Noah Cowan of the San Francisco uh, Film Society, they've been tweeting. So there's a lot of buzz out there now. Right. But even with the buzz, this sounds like a movie that that kind of stops people in their tracks. You know, it's 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 not designed for the 140 character process. You know, I mean that that much is evident. That's never really been the case with Christopher Nolan. I mean, I'm kind of excited about the hard science aspect of it. As a filmmaker, I, I, I like some of his movies better than others, but I I, I think this will be a really interesting movie for us to discuss. And as can't wait. Of, you know, late late period or late late in the year blockbuster it seems like it's just exactly the sort of thing we need right now what's happening is that they've been obviously working overtime there's a fabulous story on the science in wired there's a there's a big you know indie wire story out um other stuff is breaking and everybody's sort of combing through the reporting you know to put together what they've right. learned about interstellar and you can tell from the traffic on indie wire and and playlist and toh uh we're all getting hits on the on anything we put up about right. interstellar but, you know, it's a sign you, of the I demand mean, for the film and we we talked about this uh, i remember a number of episodes back when there was an interstellar trailer that i refused to watch so much of this is engineered by people who have seen the movie, you know, kind of capitalizing on expectations and then building up anticipation around those expectations that it's to me, you know, I really at a certain point want to shut it all out and just see the damn thing. And I feel pretty comfortable at this point saying that I've mostly done that. I mean, I, I've that's seen our job. I think that's a good way to go. I, I, that's not my job. My job is to is to feed the flames. Right, right. But um, and, and you but do I, it well. But I got a kick. I have to say, I went. One of the promo um, uh, aspects of of Interstellar was that they, you know, participated in the American Cinematheque Ball on Tuesday night, which which was the um, <laughs> which was the anointing of of Matthew McConaughey, uh, you know, who's only forty two years old or will be in a week or something. Um, uh, he he is uh, you know mid career, got plenty ahead of him, but he just won an Oscar, and and so he's he's cred, he has cred now. But um, it was all about Interstellar. It was Anne Hathaway and and Christopher Nolan and and uh, uh, all the folks from Paramount and Jessica Chastain, you know, all supporting Matthew. But it was just an advertisement for for Interstellar. Right. And and when you say advertisement, are you talking more about in terms of its commercial success or award season? Well, they're playing the room in the sense that there are Oscar voters there at the uh, Beverly Hilton, that the publicity that it gets will will certainly uh, be pushing. They, they were playing it as a serious movie. They were playing him as a serious actor. That, that was clearly the agenda. Right. Um, well, and I think that's what will be interesting to see with this movie is, you know, it's one Is it end, entertainment yeah. or is it serious art? And right. it has to go up against gravity last year, which right. is its biggest negative if I may be so bold, because it's going to be hard, as wonderful as Nolan is. And he's also put, by the way, he's also, I I find this interesting. He's putting himself um, in the category. He's, you can almost feel him saying, well, if Jim Cameron can be a real scientist and make changes and make discoveries in science, so can I. <laughs> you know. Well, and, and word on the street is that he was very heavily influenced by 2001 as well, which is never, you know, I, I, I don't That's suggest, a hard bar yeah, also to cross. Putting that one indeed. on your target list. But, you know, at the same time, 
he's one of the few filmmakers working in the studio system who seems to really come across as as a visionary, you know, working at the top of his game, and I, that's always exciting to see. And the fact that, you know, there's some sort of sense of, like, like real science being in play here is something that, uh, you know, also makes it stand out. And I think people are excited about that to some degree. You remember last year with Gravity when Neil deGrasse Tyson went off on that movie for not being totally accurate. That became a news story. So I think, you know, if people start talking about this movie in a bigger way than it's just a movie, that could be great for everybody involved, the serious types and the people who want, like, a fun movie that also is sort of challenging and different. Um, but, you know, we we can't get too deep into this until we see the thing, thing. So why don't we talk about another movie that's been actually screened for the Academy, which is Birdman. We've come back to it a bunch. We're both fans, but things have changed a little bit now that the Academy has had a chance to see it, right? Birdman played the Academy, and they um, apparently... Uh, well, that's this is one of those cases where um, if there was a small group seeing Whiplash, it was very clear that they all loved it. This is a large group seeing Birdman, and it was very clear that many of them loved it, but many of them found it a little too avant-garde. And that's completely predictable. So you can look at the Academy branches, I think, you know, and the, the craftspeople and the, the directors and the writers and, and, the, and the actors, and, and you could just predict very easily, you know, production design or cinematography or whatever. They're all going to go for Birdman. And then there's going to be the more sort of mainstream branches like the executives or the producers or, or, or um, you know, um, some of the people who are not... Uh, filmmakers who may who may not understand it or get it or see why it's so great and that's utterly predictable as well that doesn't mean it doesn't get to best picture it will get to best picture but it it's um it's it may not win that 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 would be my guess the more that i think about this movie the, the the more interesting it is to me to see how it's sort of evolved in terms of the different reactions people have to it because when it opened in venice you know, everybody was over the moon, or at least that was the impression, was that everyone was over the moon. But the more that I talk to people about it, the more I hear more divided kind of reactions. I don't, I don't, I haven't heard anybody call it, you know, avant-garde per se, but it, it's sort of strange. It's also kind of all over the place in a sense. I mean, that you get this, this feeling that there are a lot of ideas at work in the movie, but it's they're also kind of cluttered. And I would make the case that it's because you're sort of lost in this guy's subjectivity. And, you know, that's an excuse note, but I think it works quite well. There are other people who might say, you know, it doesn't really add up. You know, like on the one hand, he's disparaging superhero movies. And then on the other hand, you know, it's like holding up this Raymond Carver play. It's like, you know, the superior art it's, it's sort of a, a weird kind of distinction to make, and there there are some characters that register as sort of shrill and unrealistic or whatever. I mean, there are ways to really pick apart this movie, which, you know, makes me, in some sense, more hopeful that Boyhood could get a little boost because of that. Although, again, I, I still feel like that movie is going to have a hard time with some people because in spite of how accomplished it is, it's it's harder for some people, I think, to, to see it as this fully realized narrative, although we've gone That's back possible. and forth. That's this. possible. We have gone back and forth. The thing about Boyhood is that it's sort of the last movie standing at this point. There is, and there are still many films to see. We haven't seen Unbroken or Interstellar or American Sniper or 
um, Big Eyes, you know, these are movies that are still waiting to break or Into the Woods, which actually I looked at the this feature ret that they sent out that, that, you know, I love Stephen Sondheim and I have big questions about Rob Marshall, <laughs> but at the same time, he's good at musicals. He is good at musicals and he may have spent too much to make money back for Disney that I'm quite sure of that I can bank. But but I do believe that it looks pretty damn good. I mean, in her, into the I love Sondheim, so maybe that's going to pull out, you know, something from 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 the end result. But but in, in the meantime, Boyhood is last one standing. The none of the other ones seem to really have all the right stuff, and and so um, I would argue Birdman is going to. I think Michael Keaton is the strongest. And Inuritu himself as the director, and Chivo as the cinematographer, Emmanuel Lebesky. These people could win. They could win. You know, it, it's just it's just that it be, the best picture becomes. You know, it has to bring everybody to the table in order to to happen. Well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the, how that conversation evolves. You know, with um, with the, the the larger you know themes at play as well. I mean, with with Birdman, there's also this question of you know, is it does it have a leg up sort of the way the artist did because it's about the industry, or does that actually hurt it because it's not such a you know loving embrace of the industry? You know, I mean, I could see somebody who works on superhero movies taking it as an insult. So you know, maybe there's something that there that could be problematic as well. So there's there's a lot to kind of bat around with this one, but I'm, I'm actually I'm really glad that it's out in theaters now, and, and hopefully that will also sort of affect the tenor of, of conversations about it. So you know, it's, there's no sort of privileged perspective where you're just talking about these movies that the larger public hasn't had a chance to, to kind of engage right. with. So. And as far as Birdman goes, of course, they were smart. Fox Searchlight was smart to put it in limited release, so it's actually doing really, really well. The trick there is that they have to build up enough good word of mouth that it actually broadens successfully and lasts all the way through. That is always a very high-wire act for, for these movies that open earlier in the season. Of course, Interstellar could change everything or it could change nothing. We haven't seen it yet, but there are movies opening this week that we have seen, so why don't we spend some time talking about those. I'm treading some some ground that we've already stepped on, but uh, Citizen Four finally opens this week, and I think everybody should go see it, not just because it's this wonderful encapsulation of, of sort of why Snowden's uh, whistleblowing efforts, uh, you know, made a difference and why they were valuable. You know, that's one conversation Definitely. that has been had. It's it's also, it's just, it's a gripping experience as a whole. I got some flack from somebody on Twitter last week from saying that, uh, you know, it's not just a great documentary, it's a great movie. Yes, it's a great movie like a lot of documentaries are. So I apologize for that, but... I know rare, what you mean. I agree rare. with you. Although, I will say, I have one caveat on this, which I think is fair to to bring up, and that is that I find it interesting when, when when Alex Gibney did the WikiLeaks documentary, which I thought was a terrific, terrific examination of... um, Julian Assange, and when the and Bill Condon did the movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch, which turned out to not be very interesting to anyone, um, I wonder how much general interest there really is. There's a difference between 
a big breaking news story and the impact that it has on the real world and the interest in the behind the scenes machinations behind that story. That's and I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that there's going to be a big audience well, I actually for think that Citizen potential, Four. That potential failure, that challenge, is embedded in the movie itself. If you think about the fact that even though the Snowden story became, you know, a global event and there was widespread outrage, it hasn't, in the time since, fundamentally changed a lot of policies pertaining to governmental surveillance. Um, it's made well, people... it's brought the conversation into um, the forefront, well, and no it's question. made Obama and his administration squirm sure. as they try to wriggle out of the the uh, accusations that have been fired at them. Sure, but I mean, I think that you know, it's the the movie comes along to sort of remind us that this is still something that needs to be focused on because what what happened, I think, to some degree, is that as Snowden anticipates in the film. You know, people were sort of focused on who is this guy and the, the kind of, you know, secretive process. And there's process. a movie coming. Too. Yeah, and yeah. there's Oliver Stone. And, you know, the, the, the cult of personality that sort of hijacks conversations like this, it sort, it sort of holds back the actual progress that's supposed to be made. And so, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's great that Citizen Four is designed in such a way that it is a gripping experience. What will be interesting to see happen is are there going to be sort of tastemakers or, or people with influence not just in the film space, but in you know the policy space, who will see this film and be affected by it in a way so that they can instigate change. I mean, I sort of facetiously said when I spoke to Laura Poitras, uh, you know, there's probably no chance of a White House screening, but there should be a White House screening. I mean, no question about it. And I and when I spoke to Laura Poitras. Uh, <laughs> Everybody and their mother has spoken to Laura Poitras. Look, she's really cool to talk good. to you. I, mean, I admire her so much, and I really enjoyed it. And what I got into with her was really, well, how did she feel? What was she going through? What was the emotional terrain that she was inhabiting? How did it feel to be put on this watch list so that they, you know, put her through hell every time she entered the country? You know, how paranoid did that make her feel? So that was fun. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it getting into all that stuff with her as a filmmaker, you know. Yeah, I hope people check out both of our interviews. And so also, do I. Um, Anthony Kaufman did a piece for us for his uh, bi-weekly reality checks uh, column about sort of the uh, general process by which uh, documentarians sort of ha- you know go to great lengths to protect themselves from legal problems and so forth. And and there's no doubt that you know it's like it's one thing for Warner Herzog to put his life at risk by going to Antarctica or something like that, but I feel like this is one step beyond that in terms of like commitment to cinema to do something that has a direct effect on the world we live in. Like that, it's really rare that you see somebody go to those kind of radical extremes. So, you know, going to see this movie, I think, is in some ways sort of like a yes vote for that. It's inspiring. I know. She's very, she's very inspiring. The other movie that's opening uh, this weekend, uh, Netflix is putting it out, is um, E-Team. And that's another example, actually, of filmmakers putting themselves at risk when they, uh, it's, they're they following four intrepid, fearless-seeming um, uh, human rights watchers going into uh, uh, the, the depths of, of Libya and Syria and, and other places that are really scary. And, and I, I was uh, really stunned. It, it, that, this movie also functions as something of a, of a thriller. And there's another movie opening this week that you're also a fan of, I believe, uh, Force Majeure. I love Force Majeure. Force Majeure is one of the 
foreign uh, entries for the Oscar, uh, and I, I have to say it is um, one of the smartest movies I've seen in recent months, and it's um, it's it's, a, it's another, it's sort of a little bit like Gone Girl in a way, because it's another explanation of mar- uh, exploration of, of marriage, and the difference between how people look on the surface and how they seem, even to each other, when things are going well, and what happens to them when things start to go badly and unravel, and how quickly that destruction can take place. Um, I was, I found the movie to be one of the best I've seen all year. Well, it's it's definitely the the Gone Girl connection is a pertinent one. You know, the one I love, which also opened earlier this year, is is another movie that I think you could pull into that conversation to make right. it a trend. That's but, going uh, out on uh, DVD very soon. That's so you know, if people um, want to really challenge uh, the bonds of the, of the relationships they have to those close to them. Uh, this is a this is a good place to start. Do you know your partner? <laughs> <laughs> so on on that tantalizing cliffhanger, and I guess uh, next time we speak, be digging into Interstellar. Looking forward. The sky's turning purple above the community center, and I'm sitting in a circle telling my secrets to strangers, and they say I've got a problem, but I don't know that I've got one. Cause you never know that you've got one. Someone comes along and spots one. They say it's the hardest step, but it's the first one of many. And my feet are stuck to the ground, and I can't seem to take any. I could tell them I just came for the free cup of tea and the biscuit, and make my way towards the door, but I don't think I can risk it, cause. I never wanted to stay, but the morning came so soon. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other and uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.